The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the Future Stars of Wrestling, here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how's it going today? Oh, words cannot express how I'm doing today. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. We will be talking to you next week. <laughs> Thank you and good night. <laughs> um, how has uh, the last uh, week been for you uh, looking at um, this upcoming uh, Survival of the Fittest? It's on uh, Friday the 24th at 7 p.m. Uh, you can get your tickets uh, for Diversion Amusement or you can watch it on Fight TV. Uh how has that been for you the last week in terms of uh, making sure everything's starting to fall into place, uh, especially with the fact that the venue now has new people that you're dealing with that you didn't have to deal with before? Has it been a tougher process this time using uh, the venue? And it, do you run into some of the same problems when you're running places like Samstown? Always, you know, because everybody's looking to, to squeeze that extra dollar out of you, you know, and you're dealing with management and now new management wants to come in than say the one that we had, which we liked better. So there's, you know, pocket money and whatever, you know, not a, not a major big deal, but, you know, from what I'm seeing is you know, not a lot, not that they have a huge following, but it doesn't seem like there's been any promotion from the venue putting out there that there's a wrestling show. You know, one of our fans uh, hit me up and was like, oh, I know you don't work there, but I was just curious to, you know, to know what the menu is. And we have the menu and we know exactly what it is, but nobody there is even answering a phone. So it's like, how many phone calls are missed from people who, aren't all over FSW's Facebook and just heard that there's a show and they're contacting the, the place of origin and there's nobody responding. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's all these little things and it's like, whether it was Sam's town or whether it's diversion, you know, everybody wants to make sure that we do everything we have to do. But when there's an issue kind of like the air conditioning last time, you know, that kind of gets swept away. Oh, well, we'll take care of it next time. Well, how'd you take care of it this time? Right. You know, you didn't cost me money, so don't complain about the food and beverage guarantee on the second night when we did as well as we did on the first night. Now, did 100 people show, not show up the second night because of that? No, probably not. But, you know, if 30 people didn't show up and all bought general admission tickets, that's another seven, eight hundred dollars. You know, we didn't really make money on the second night. Well, that that would have been a profit right there. Right. You know, and nobody was concerned with, you know, hey, when we needed the waters, 
And it was like, well, you know, we can't keep giving you waters. Well, we, we didn't really want your waters. We had waters, but people are going through them because it's 120 degrees. Yeah. So it's just finding the happy medium because, you know, you're appreciative of the place. And it's the same thing at Samstown where they would keep raising the rate a little bit. Oh, Joe just brought us ring of honor. Oh, we got to raise the rate because, you know, manage, upper management says, well, ring of honor's paying this. Why is it an FSW? Well, FSW is the local company who helped bring you ring of honor to get you all that money. Yeah. You know? and, and the same thing came up with impact. Like now impact will be back there and we won't because they want to treat everybody as if they're this national wrestling company and they'd rather keep the room empty than make three thousand dollars because they need to make at least nine thousand dollars so they would just rather leave it empty and make zero dollars which i've never understood that concept if you're an event you're an event arena yeah is to have as many events as possible you would think that's how that's how your workers get paid that's how the bartenders get gigs you know and it's i just don't understand it sometimes and it's extremely frustrating you know Uh, you know i know what gcw had to pay and it was like you know they drew really well but man that was a big hit because they had to pay a lot of money yeah you know to be in meet las vegas and you know we wish we had a bigger facility and a more wide open facility for them because you know they used it before when they had an empty arena show and you know they we discounted it heavily and we did the fsw gcw show and it was fine because i couldn't do that show at diversion because the, the, the type of things that they do, deathmatch stuff and the stuff with Nick Gage and Cody and Funny Bone, that probably wouldn't play very well there, and we probably wouldn't be for sure invited back. Yeah. So it's you have to take that into consideration, you know. My kid's always like, oh, you know, we need to do that at Diversion. And it's like uh, we, we can't go outside in the parking lot like we can in our back alley and break a light tube over somebody's head. <laughs> It's tough enough to get places to okay wrestling. Right. You know, I was having a conversation because, you know, seats, I went to see some show at the Rio, you know, took the wife, we went to see the show. Wow. Okay. And it had like circus, stay soleil type acts and, and juggling and dancing and all stuff. And it was fine. It was cool. You know, tickets are like 50 bucks. You know, I got them on house seats. They were free. It was going to be a, a Thursday night. On a Thursday night, they were lucky to have 80 people there. Wow. Now, if I got my house seats for free, are you going to tell me that 20 people? Same thing when I went to see Illuminate. I'm like, wow, it's going to be pretty crowded. There's a long line. It was like, well, they just don't let anybody in. But I saw the list, and the list was about 60 long of people who got tickets for that. And there might have been no more than a hundred people in there. Yeah. So you're paying these people eight hundred, a thousand a week, you got forty, fifty employees. You know, how is it not financially a an FSW show into these places? We say, Hey, just give us the room and we'll just take the uh, we'll take the door and you take all the food and beverage 
and we and we know for a fact we're going to have three, four hundred people in there. Yeah. You know, hopefully buying food, drinking, and all that stuff. You're not paying anything. Yeah. You're just paying, you know, uh, a skeleton crew to, to to run the main lighting and sound and all the other stuff. And I know what the costs are because you know we had to deal with that at Samstown, and we yeah. have to deal with that here at Diversion with the lighting guy and the sound guy, and. You know, it's a four-hour minimum, and they get paid X amount of dollars, and you know, it it all adds up. But we don't have so it, like wow, where you're paying us on top of everything, away the room for free because you're hoping sixty people are going to buy some liquor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But but it's almost impossible with most of these. You know, or you can go, or you can go rent a ballroom for seven thousand dollars that has no staging, no lighting, no trussing, no nothing. Right. You know, we tried to go over to the East Side Cannery at one time because Samstown, I think, was booked or whatever, and it was like the price was like five times the price, and it was in a ballroom. Like, why Jeez. would I go there instead of just doing it inside Samstown? Yeah. And it used a different date. It was like it's just you know financially impossible because you know that's an important part of things when you're trying to bring in name guys because that seems to be you know the mecca shows draw better than most of our other shows why because there's national talent right well national talent works for a hell of a lot more than the local talent yeah fortunate that the guys like you know chris bay Brian Cage, Jeff Cobb, Willie Mack, you know, all those guys live here. Yeah. TJ Higgins, you know, D'Lo, Kenny King. So when you do have to pay pricing for these national guys, you don't have to worry about any flights. Right. So, you know, I could bring in a guy that costs a couple hundred bucks, but I got to fly him in. It costs five or six hundred. Yeah. Well, can get a guy who's probably more well known if he lives in town for a similar price. Yeah. And now you got to just now you got to juggle like okay, well is this guy worth this? And is this guy yeah, he's only 500, he's a good name. When I somebody else for maybe 750. You know what I mean? It's like you know, and it's easier to get sponsors that way. You know, we're sure. talking with some, some of our sponsors who who are interested. And yeah, uh, our guy Pat at the uh, with the racing H Town Racing. You know, big fan of Sandra Moon, so he's kind of on the stuff. Also gotten help with some of the up and coming young talent from out of state that we would never fly in the Percy Drews and the Tritons who has been working that. So it's like, we're trying to continuously upgrade the tempos. Because again, all these shows in town. And, you know, it wasn't a big deal, you know, show with town with Big Valley. Got full company. Well, okay, if if a certain guy's working here and he's working there and then he's working over there and he's working five times this month, that's great. 
But if they're all in Vegas, that's not really, you know, helping our product when you can see somebody everywhere and we're the ones who charge the highest price. So right. why would I pay, you know, 40 bucks or 50 bucks at a casino show other than the fact that you love FSW, but it's like when you have an option to go in some of these places, watch it for free yeah, and you get to see you know or 20 bucks and you can see Remy Marcel and you see Funny Bone and you see Sky High and and you see Sandra Moon you know what I mean it's like you got to continually make things exciting and you know use guys like Hammerstone and Graves and Class and Eli Everfly and Gatson and Quest and a lot of these guys who are exclusive by choice because you know they work for FSW, right? And they're out of state, so they they have their other bookings. So they're content with what they're doing here, you know. And again, you know, it is what it is, and everybody, you know, I've never stopped anybody from working there. But sometimes it makes it a little more difficult for us, or when I see you know another company take what we're doing and setting up. And then all of a sudden at their show, they're, they're working the same match. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it's me, but I, I think that's on the talent to say, Hey, you know what? We're doing this over here. Let's keep it over there. Do you think, do you think that's a unique kind of unique problem to Las Vegas being that the city is so big, but yet so small. Whereas in Southern California, you could run, san diego or orange county um and not technically be intruding onto the la aspect because of the distance is that something that you know people don't even think especially the the performers don't think about because of the fact that it's you know so localized here that you don't want to burn out your storyline at the you know at this company versus your storyline at that company well, it's more because Vegas is, is so much smaller. Right. You know, as you said, you know, you got even in L.A. County, Orange County, whatever it is, I don't know. But there's, you know, you could go, you know, 100 miles and have another show. Yeah. In Vegas, everything's within a five-mile radius. But I think more importantly is if you ask a lot of those guys in Gatson and Everfly and, and Toa and, and – most of those guys, when they work shows in SoCal, NorCal, whatever, they're just having a match. Yeah. You know, they, most of these companies aren't trying to do storytelling to where we're trying to set up feuds and we're putting things together to set up for down the line and they're kind of working together. You know, in most cases, if you look at the matches, you know, again, uh, Phoenix Championship Wrestling, for example. They use a bunch of our guys and they have matches and Dom books the matches that he wants to see on his show. He's not really worried or concerned of what we're doing. Like Remy wrestled class at their show. Right. And I guess he's wrestling sharp on the next show, but to that fan base, there's, there's no like, Oh man, that's the feud in FSW. I can't believe. But when you, similar fans now it's a different story right you know when you put any of the places around town you know a lot of our regulars are there so you know 
there's they're giving away certain things you know i remember a few years ago when uh they ran in the muffler shop you know and we were we had set up a whole feud with mike delight and funny bone where mike delight didn't get pinned and we were setting it up for a steel cage match and then basically a week and a half or two weeks before the guy funny bone was supposed to wrestle couldn't make it so mike delight took the payday and he got pinned in like a minute and a half and it was we just set up things for like three or four months to keep you strong and you just went over there and, and jobbed out like a jamook <laughs> in a minute and a half yeah how does that help me you know if, if hammerstone wrestled john morrison at a show down the street in a steel cage who would care that i had Morrison in hammerstone in a steel cage three weeks later yeah um you know, along the lines, uh, talking about um, the show coming up here, uh, Survival of the Fittest. Again, it's Friday the 24th at 7 p.m. Um, when you when you look at the talent that you have on this show and coming into it, um, is it... Obviously, it's a business decision to do a bigger um, arena. Uh, we've also talked in the past about... You know, having the themed, um, you know, survival of the fittest or the Mecca, etc. Um, is it partially outside the business aspect of it? Is it partially something to kind of reward some of the guys so that they do, uh, you know, get to perform in in front of a larger audience um, and they're not stuck, uh, you know, with just continuously wrestling at the fsw arena is this something that you know if guys get that shot it's really kind of that appreciation and um and versus um you know we have to put you on um you know is that mentality something you're trying to get across to the guys that to be on a show like this this means something well, that's how it always was when we did the casino shows you know the, the pay was a bit better we had a bigger crowd we invested more money into the budget now on these shows now that we just started doing a diversion for example you know all the guys who come in and do the shows at the fsw arena understand that funds are extremely limited now it doesn't mean because we're doing a show at diversion that we're going to make so much more money but the idea is it's a bigger budget. Now, everybody's gonna get a few more dollars than they usually get. Now, the thing is, I'm not that concerned with one show, how much of a profit we make on it. Right. We need to do bigger shows. And sometimes bigger shows cost money. And sometimes in the short run, they don't make money per se. You know, we did the Mecca not with the expectation that, hey, we're doing this big show, but the show costs $12,000 compared to a regular show. Yeah. You know, and that's far more than a normal show would cost that we would do because we had to fly in seven guys and we used Matt Hardy and Bubba Dudley and John Morrison and Shane Strickland and, and all these guys or the super indie guys, you know, like Brian Cage and Sammy Callahan 
that you know they aren't working for a hundred bucks so you know but you have to go out there and you got to risk that if you want to grow you know a lot of companies don't want to risk it and that's why they they're where they are today you know we go out there and win lose or draw you know we're not going under if we lose money on this show right the idea is to set up this show for another show because we know specifically there are fans who don't want to come to the FSW arena. You know, they want to go for the event. They want to go for a night out with the family. They get to eat. They get to drink. They get to watch wrestling for three hours. It's it's a lot different than inside the FSW arena. You got to be, you know, a dedicated fan who sometimes in the summer, it's pretty hot in there. And... You know, we do pretty well because we have a lot of dedicated fans, but we also have some that just want to come to the big shows. Yeah. And sometimes the ones that come to the regular shows, now all of a sudden they bring four or five, six other people because it's a bigger show and it's an event and we, we, can, we can draw better down the line. We've had that success at Samstown, but now it's trying to rebuild that. Right. You know, and, you know, the thing is, it was a lot easier for people who didn't know who FSW was to know that we had a show at Samstown because you would drive by Samstown, you'd see it on the giant marquee. And you'd yeah. see names like Kenny King and Matt Hardy and, and whoever else that we happen to bring in. While now, it's strictly social media promotion through our own fan base and hoping some sponsored ads find some new people because, you know, how many people already know about FSW that are on Facebook? Well, I'm pretty sure a lot of them. So it's like, how do we find these other people? Well, you know, maybe it's time to go back to, you know, putting up a billboard for a week, you know, in, in a decent area of uh, foot traffic, not foot traffic, but, you know, regular traffic. Right. I remember the uh, anniversary show. I thought it was a joke. I thought he Photoshopped it. And Ice Williams made a billboard of himself for the anniversary show and he put it right in front of the Thomas and Mac which is if you left the airport you had to see that billboard and the first time I saw it I kind of laughed I'm like ah oh, that's funny but like I thought it was fake but he did it he only did it for one day because it's costly but you know he did it to promote himself yeah you know and FSW we need to promote ourselves like we said especially because of the pandemic there's a lot of new new people that have moved to town you know a lot of people got the hell out of california yeah and vegas you know we, we've gotten some new students and they were all pretty much moved here from california wow um and that's that's a very good point um in terms of finding that audience in a pool that you've already been swimming in so you already have you know all these fans who know FSW how do you in terms of how do you plan for something like that how much budgeting goes into the idea for advertising for um, the specific per, uh, point of finding those you know potential new fans who don't know about the product well you just got to get yourself out there like right now most people don't spend money on television ads anymore because right. everybody watches streaming services. 
you know, and building up your own fan base is how we do it. Right. You know, we have our own fan base. So what do we do? We have a fan page. We have friends. You know, we go on Twitter and we spread the word and we hope the wrestlers spread the word. You know, I honestly think that they should spread the word a lot more than they do. Yeah. But it's a much more difficult process than it was before. You know, we just throw a commercial on Monday Night Raw. People were watching it live. Oh, shit, there's wrestling. Oh, cool. All right. The Godfather is going to be there. Jimmy Snook is going to be there. Kevin Nash is going to be there. You know, now I remember toward the end when we stopped doing it, you know, a lot of people would, it was Friday night, SmackDown. A lot of people went out Friday night. All of a sudden on Sunday or Monday, they would, uh, I'd get a call from the few people that might be interested in training. But if they wanted to come to the show, it was done with because they didn't, they didn't see the commercial till Sunday or Monday. Yeah. And we show Saturday night. So, you know, it's cheaper in a way by because you're able to know your fan base, your emails, you know, through PayPal. Everybody who PayPals you has an email address. Right. Well, you know, I would always send the emails. I finally got smart enough to actually, you know, make basically a database with all the emails because, you know, it would take forever to go through each name and like, oh, and send out an email. Like just writing the emails down took two and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's remarkable too, and anyone who's never gone to a live FSW show, um, they don't know the uh, feeling of having Joe DeFalco at the front table with the list and you know and and remarkable how you can you know someone can say the name and you could go oh yeah i've i know that name i've seen that name you know and maybe you've never met the person but that name rings a bell for you is that part of one of the things that you enjoy is getting to you know see some of the fans who might be coming for the first time or are you know not necessarily the regulars, but maybe, you know, people who catch one show a month. Uh, is that something you enjoy, is that interaction with knowing the fans and kind of also, in a sense, getting a, a pulse and a feel about what people are talking about as they enter the arena to just kind of pick up on where the excitement and the hype is through conversation? I try to make a connection pretty much with everybody who comes through the door you know there's so many things that people can do here in vegas that when we have a show and they're going to throw down their hard-earned earned money and bring their families and things like that that whether it's before the show after the show if they're around i always try to conversate with people see what they think hey what did they like you know, we make the post, hey, what was your favorite match? Hey, who would you like to see back in FSW? Because, you know, bottom line is the paying fans, they're the one who need to keep coming back. If you come to one show and never come again, we're going to run out of fans. Right. So we have to make sure we're doing stuff that makes, you know, the chief and George and his crew and Brandy and, and all our regular regulars who come who – try to bring a few friends here and there. Hey, check this out. This is what I like to do. You know, 
And some people may be, eh, you know, they know the WWE a lot. They may know some people. They don't know any of our guys. They don't know Impact. They don't know Ring of Honor. Right. But they come in, it's like, it's a very interactive experience. You, you know, you're, you're 10 feet away from the ring. You know, the furthest you are is 25 feet away with the bleachers, yeah. you know. And it's like these guys, guys like Cross and Lacey and Chris Bay and Seth, uh, the show would end and they would hang out with the fans, take pictures, sign anything, whatever, and they wouldn't charge anybody. You know, there was a time where, you know, a Chris Bay or a Cross, you know, were doing national things like Bay is now. And they're not, you know, stuck up to where like, oh, well, if you want a picture now, it's 20 bucks, <laughs> 10 bucks, you know, they're, they're very respectful and understand that the fans help them, you know, get where they are, right. you know, you know, even when we have 60, 70 people in there, you know, I was talking with one of our sponsor guys. And I knew one of them because the guy, Brian, he trained with us as a referee, but he trained for like a month, six or seven years ago, but he was on my Facebook friends list. Might've saw some stuff, might've conversated once or twice, probably not really much, but I had a meeting with them this week. And there was another guy who I had never met before who was one of their partners. <laughs> and it was like, Oh yeah, I was at the uh, first natural born killer show. That was the first one I went to. And after the show, I went up to Cross and I had my little shit tape recorder and asked him if it was okay to ask him some questions for a little, you know, thing that he did. And, and Cross was as accommodating as anybody. And this was for a guy who basically had nothing going on. Yeah. And FSW has stayed on his radar ever since. And now because of the way our people treat other people, you know, now when it's time to come about a sponsorship or how they feel, hey, well, you know what, FSW guys, you know, they're they're really cordial, they're nice to you, they don't treat you like a mark, you know, because we're all marks, we love wrestling, that's the right. reason why we do it, you know what I mean? And, you know, even when I got to meet a Matt Hardy for the first time, it's like, oh shit, I'm in a Thai restaurant hanging out with Matt Hardy, <laughs> bullshitting about bringing him in for more shows, like how cool that you know? and that's the living the dream part of yeah. you know you get to do the shows you get to meet all these people you get to watch you know when a guy like uh shane strickland now isaiah swerve scott who hadn't worked for us that many times but after he got signed you know he sent me a thank you because back in the day when we were doing the shows in phoenix he was kind of one of those rising guys. He was underneath the ricochets and the swans who had gotten the love, but he really wasn't working out on the West Coast and stuff. And we were one of the first guys to utilize him. And those guys will always remember that. And it's kind of like later on when he did get bigger independently and we used him at the Mecca shows, you know, we always got a little better deal from him because, you know, he appreciated what I did for him years before that when sure. didn't really have that much of a name in the scene you know when you get signed or a guy like Sefa thanking me and you know showing appreciation for everything that we've done you know it was it's easy for a guy like Sefa to say hey you know Rakesh is my dad he trained me but 
but he comes out and says, and he did train with them for a little bit, right. but the majority of his training and, um, and the majority of all his early matches were through FSW. And he has shown that appreciation from day one. Yeah. You know, and, and we've been lucky. Guys like that. Guys like Cross and Bay and Sefa and Lacey, you know, those are, you know, our four, you know, big guns who got signed out of, you know, FSW's training, you know, and whether the Vandegrifts and the Damian Drakes or the J. Vidal's move on, you know, the common denominator about those guys is mainly they're very appreciative of how we've helped them. Right. Whether it was they didn't have money for dues or getting them on shows or saying, yeah, cool, go work that other show. You know, we'll fit you in. We'll work it out. Because, you know, again, we're trying to make these guys happy and also trying to do the business the right way. And, you know, it's important for these guys to get on the shows. Yeah. Like, I never expected Jay Vidal to return. And all of a sudden, it was like, oh, my God. It was like like John Cena left for three years and came back. It was like, here's a guy who wrestled, you know, some matches with the bad bitches and stuff, you know, moved away because of the pandemic, came back. And all of a sudden, the crowd was like, oh, my God. And, and now he's so improved tenfold. Yeah. You know, he was good, but now he's really, really good. But now he also portrays his character really, really well. He was kind of right. like in between, you know, he did like this EDC kid gimmick when he first came that I, I rib him about Jaden Rhythm or something like that. And I'm like, man, that was the shits. But you got to find yourself. And that's right. what happens with these younger guys. Like they think they found themselves until they realize a year later well, maybe Joe isn't that asshole that we thought he was. Maybe I wasn't ready yet because they they see things. You right. know, Suavecitos, for example, with Quest there. You know, Quest is going to tell them like it is. You know, right. when they're slacking off, when they're doing something stupid. You know, here's a guy who's worked hard, and now he's part of New Japan in America. You know, yeah. if you're not going to listen to that guy, then you're not going to listen to anybody, and you're destined to fail. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a very good point. Um, coming into uh, the show on Friday, um, what can fans expect? What kind of matches do you, ha you already have announced? And, um, you know, what what concepts, what are you still looking for in terms of matches as well? Are there things that you haven't fully put in place yet? Everything is set. That's why it's it's been a little weird because it was like I haven't really had a focus on it. I haven't sat down yet, but I'm going to, you know, later today and tomorrow and kind of work out the ideas, especially in like the elimination matches. Yeah. Because we have two of those, and that's the MK Army, which is going to be uh, Juicy Tito, uh, not Tito, Tito can't make it. So it's Juicy Toa, and we got another member of the Army who's making his way in, Sam Adonis. And Sam Adonis has done some great things of late. He's part of a major faction in AAA, he's in NWA. Uh, he had, as the kids like to say, a banger with Psycho Clown at the FSW Arena. Uh, I can't remember the date. Psycho de Mayo. Oh, yeah, May 5th. And, you know, so that wasn't that long ago. So that's a big match against Hammerstone Graves. And their boys returning, our guy Gallo. Yes. Uh, stepping up to help out their, their, his friends. 
So it'll be a three-on-three elimination-style match. Then uh, we got the team known as the Ultimate Finessers, led by Chris Bay, uh, along with the returning Shogun SOS. He's returned with a new name, uh, Hero Lou and Nino Black. You know, now those are three of our, you know, young guns looking to really make a name for themselves, taking on the Lights Camera Faction, who have taken on a whole new dynamic since Ice Williams joined the fold. And he hasn't lost since. So that's a four-on-four elimination match, you know. And then we have another multi-tag match because it's an intergender one that it's not a elimination style. It is the battle of the sexes, men versus women, uh, led by uh, Team DeShade, who has been going back and forth since the anniversary show, thereby the storytelling of DeShade and Strella. And DeShade's recruited uh, some guys. Uh, Jordan Oasis, who's been become a regular at FSW. Jordan Cruz, who's trying to make a name for himself. And also Thomas Day. And they're going to take on uh, Strella's team, which, of course, includes Maserati. But she's brought in uh, two of her buddies, uh, one from OVW that she's good friends with, Jocelyn Navarro. And another one who was very impressive at the women's show, uh, Viva Van. So uh, we got that. Then, of course, the last man standing match, Jay Vidal against Gregory Sharp. You know, that that. That feud has been passionate and uh, hard-hitting, you know, since uh, Gregory Sharp went crazy after Remy Marcel pile-drive him on the, uh, the woodboards of the ring, beyond my disbelief as I'm watching Remy, like, what the fuck are you doing? And uh, Sandra Moon, she's going to defend against Ray Lynn, who's, you know, world-renowned, you know, wrestled all over the United States, part of you know, championship wrestling from Hollywood, NWA. She's done a bunch of different stuff. Uh, you know, AEW Dark. Yep. So we're looking forward to that. Remy Marcel, he's obviously got the toughest challenge of his Nevada State Championship, not because of one guy, but because it's three guys. And the three guys are Eli Everfly, Adrian Quest, and a newcomer, Keita Murray, who's outstanding. Mm-hmm who is a guy that we've been trying to get for a long time. And we finally, uh, you know, were able to get him. So, you know, that alone is the price of admission. And I'm pretty sure there's another match in there that we kind of missed. We're going to have a pre-show match with some of the younger kids like Davion and little Bodie and uh, even Brett, the thread and greatness and tenacious. They'll be involved in the, uh, in the pre-show match. So awesome. I mean, it, it really sounds like it's a very well thought out card. Um, it also seems like the the fans are going to get uh, what they, you know, kind of what they've wanted to see, and that is things like lights, camera, faction potentially getting their asses handed to them. Um, I'll be the I'll be the first guy in that uh, in that rooting committee. <laughs> Um, when you look at uh, the long play for um, a feud like uh, Gregory Sharp and Jay Vidal, um, did you ever see that as becoming something that would go on for a while? Or did you see it as, you know, once that first match kind of happened, that that would be the end of it? it basically, did did those two step up their game so much that you're like, you know what, we need to keep this going, but 
because it's got everything it needs in it. Well, it's all been based off uh, what's happened with Gregory Sharp. You know, after Hyperstreak lost to Remy Marcel, uh, you know, the shit hit the fan. We didn't see Hyperstreak for a long time, and then he came back and laid out Jay Vidal, and we found out why. You know, Gregory Sharp has been with FSW uh, for at least nine or ten years, okay? Yeah. And he's a guy who's traveled all over the world and, and – and gotten so much experience and even as hyper streak he's a guy who was well liked but obviously not loved the way jay vidal was right and Gregory sharp felt he's given everything he could to las vegas and fsw and not only is he angry with the fans he's angry with me you know i told the story about running into him at smith's and he walked right past me said oh yeah i've been busy when i asked him where he'd been during the pandemic and i was like what the fuck and he's had this chip on his shoulder and unfortunately jay vidal's the guy who's been uh taking the brunt of it yeah. but you know, jay out of nowhere came up with the win at the anniversary show but he may have won the the battle but he didn't win the war because Sharp laid him out again. And then he laid him out again. So it's been a few different times. And it's kind of gone back and forth since. So we figured with the, you know, title of survival of the fittest, why not a last man standing match? Yeah. You know, one other I personally wanted to see because as angry as Gregory Sharp is, a... Uh, Iron Man match I think would be awesome between those two <laughs> but I think in the way that their anger towards each other was going it probably would break down pretty early Yeah. so doing the last man standing match you know seems to be you know what would be the best fit oh yeah and there was the tag gauntlet match with yes. the Suavecitos Sky High uh, Heart and Soulless and whoever out of that round robin threesome uh, comes out on top, they get to face the to death proof, who rightfully so, they're the tag champs. So. Yeah. Uh, and we may have some surprises. Yeah, was, you know, we're still working on some surprises. I was just going to ask that. Um, you know, one of the things I think that the fans love most is the fact that anyone could show up at any time. Um did you ever, when you were thinking about, as, as FSW was growing, did you realize that the effectiveness of having surprise recognizable people, uh, whether it be nationally recognizable or locally recognizable, um, that those surprises kind of pay off uh, where the fans then, who might not be the regulars, but you know, came to diversion because they happened to see a, you know, a billboard or an ad or something like that or through social media and they show up and now all of a sudden like, whoa, that person just showed up. Is that part of getting the fans um, to roll over into kind of the next uh, show because of that feel of anything could happen at any time? Well, you try to. It's a lot of times it's difficult. It's it's hard to try to have a surprise because 
you know, a lot of times the surprise is going to be a name guy, for example. Sure. Okay. Years ago, I think the first time we ever really did that big surprise was when we had Pauly Cover against Kevin Cross. Okay. And people are like, what the hell? You know, Pauly Cover's going to wrestle Kevin Cross. This is going to be, this is going to be a murder, you know? And the idea was I was friendly with Lance Hoyt. And Lance Hoyt was big in Japan. He worked the, uh, you know, the, the shows that we did, the IWF back in the day in Phoenix and stuff. And we probably had used him once before in FSW. I think we used him. He was actually out of survival of the fittest. Uh, he ended up wrestling Graves and beat him in the first round. And I think he ended up, yeah, he ended up wrestling Tyshawn after that. But uh, we kept Lance Hoyt a secret. And again, a lot of these times when we have a, if we wanted to do a surprise, it's pretty impossible because to offset cost, we usually have him do a signing at the mall <laughs> with Scott. So if people, you know, you don't have to be a brainiac to put two and two together. If Lance Hoyt's signing at the mall and we have a wrestling show that night, there's a good chance Lance Hoyt's probably showing up, okay? <laughs> we didn't have Lance Hoyt there, and we had the perfect setup for the beginning. So basically, at the Silverton, there was like this, a covering, I guess you could say. It was, you know, made of whatever. But it was like to protect people from looking into the locker room. Okay. Oh, yeah. And if you knocked it over, you know, wait a little bit. It was like a changing area almost, like a mini changing thing. It, it was straight across. So the idea was Paulie goes to the back through because he's, he's running away from cross. And after about a minute, you know, 30 seconds or whatever, all of a sudden uh, cross comes crashing through this covering. And people are like, what the fuck? And, you know, Paulie Cobra's looking like, you know, hey, look what I just did. And then right behind him, Lance Hoyt walks out. And unfortunately, I remember doing commentary and I heard one person yell, holy shit, that's Lance Hoyt. Because it wasn't that well known at that point. Right. You know, but big match. It was a big, a big surprise. But doing that, and it also goes to the Young Bucks winning the tag belts at an FSW arena show, trying to do some things that spice up that house show kind of thing. Yeah. Because it becomes second nature if nobody's winning titles. You know, that's why we did the Nevada State Championship there. You yeah. know, we kind of built up the whole thing. So having a surprise having EC3 as a surprise might have been a was was definitely an idea but to offset the cost we had to do the meet and greet right you know we had a signing you know and it cost us far less money so it was worth it you know in the long run you know John Moxley I would have never made a surprise because I would want people to buy the tickets because they knew John Moxley was in the main event right but you know, John Moxley was there until the show was about to start. So, you know, it was kind of hard to promote him. And we already had sold out, which was crazy. Right. So since we'd already sold out, we didn't 
benefit financially. You know, we, we made a few extra bucks, obviously, on, say, YouTube and stuff. Right. Which we did. But we didn't make the money financially, but we made money the other way. We right. Made, we made more fans. We made people be aware of us. You know, we had a half a million views on the Moxley appearance. Right. And that, like, and we had a couple of them that were all the same to where it was like, you know, it was the clip of him coming out. Then it was the clip of him with the with the promo. And there was a lot of viewership on that. So it made more people who weren't aware of FSW aware of it. Like, right. holy shit, John Moxley's wrestling in this place that, you know, it's, it's a nice little arena, but it doesn't seem like it holds that many people. Like, if I announced Cross versus Moxley at Samstown, I'm pretty sure we would have sold that out. Right, right. Um, as we kind of uh, start looking at wrapping up here, um, is there is there a particular thing that you're looking forward to on the 24th? Uh, I'm looking forward to a lot of different things. You know, this was months of hard work to put together a show that almost every match has meaning and repercussions of what has happened in the past. And this is an opportunity to not only finish some stories, but some will also be pushed forward toward November 27th when we have no escape. That's a steel cage show. You know, what's going to come out of this that's going to lead to that? Right. You know, so, you know, ironing out the things that we got, you know, the surprise that we got, it's, you know, I don't want to give it away, but I, I believe it's happening. And, you know, I think it's a pretty big deal. Yeah. You know, and, you know, watching Sam Adonis again, he's a guy that I like to see more regularly here and through MK. Uh, there's definitely a good possibility of that. Right. You know, and, you know, I want to see Hammerstone, Graves, and Gallo battling Toa, Juicy, and Adonis. Those are some big boys. You know, that that is the main event of the night. Yeah. You know, and, and, and obviously the faction, you know, this is the good opportunity, man. It's a great opportunity. Bay gets to have his boys who are like on the cusp of greatness, like Hero Lou and Shogun and Nino. You know, those are guys that are very well respected, yeah. you know, amongst the fans that, you know, love to see. You know, a lot of people love Shogun and Hero as a tag team. You know, those are things that, without having things set in stone, those are things that help you make decisions. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I never thought of Shogun and Hero as a tag team. We did the Halloween Battle Royal thing, and they came out like the Acolytes, and they were great together. You know, it was like, wow. And then when Kenny couldn't make the match and Hero was in there, you know, they were legit. Like, if they were the tag team champions, they were legit. Right. People could buy into that. So now you look at Hero and Shogun and say, wow, them and Juicy and Toa, Toko Uso, that'd be, you know, some interesting stuff. And you still got Death Proof. And the R&B have been very, very quiet since the anniversary show. Right. You know, who knows, you know, what's going on with them. And then we got these younger tag teams 
you know, maybe maybe they shock the world. Maybe somebody beats Death Proof, you know, and then where do you go from there? So yeah. there's so much, you know, to go on, you know, what we have happening, you know, Nevada State title match. I'm, I'm excited about that, you know, watching Eli Everfly is always a treat. You know what I mean? And yeah. now he was getting to work with Emmy Quest, who you, who I love, and Keita Murray, who I like a lot and never had the chance to use here in FSW. He worked SummerSlam weekend a couple of the shows. Right. And, you know, he's really, really good. You know, I had met him at the Impact tryout a few years ago, and he was one of the few standouts. You know, there's like 70 wrestlers out there yeah. at that uh, show or at that tryout. And I could probably count on one hand – Besides the FSW guys, because, you know, not to brag, but the FSW guys, you know, were the best talents there by far. Right. As witnessed by them using the Hammerstones and the Bonus Boys and at the time the 1% and Damian Drake and, and things like that. But Keita Murray was one of the guys that I remember seeing, you know, that I liked an awful lot. So, yeah. you know, to finally get him out here, you know, especially on a bigger show. Yeah, no, it's exciting. Um, I have not seen him live, um, so I think that should be pretty awesome. Um, again, everyone listening, if you uh, are in Vegas, get your tickets. Come on down to Diversion Amusements to see Survival of the Fittest uh, this Friday, the 24th. Uh, doors open at 6 p.m. Bell time is uh, 7 p.m. Um, but if you're out of town, you can't make it for whatever reason, out to the arena, uh, please remember that you can uh, purchase the uh, pay-per-view on Fight TV and, uh, you know, check out uh, some of this action and uh, the surprises and uh, where things are headed next. Uh, Joe, any final words before we wrap up? No, you know, this is, you know, we'd appreciate, as usual, our, our great fans to, to come out to this event. We worked hard for it. You know, the guys are looking forward to returning to Diversion. You know, the fans, other than the uh, AC issues, uh, really uh, enjoyed the venue. You know, yeah. can't get over that 22-foot big screen. I'll tell you what, man, that is a true Titans run. Yeah. You know, that, you know, I after that show, I saw so many of the wrestlers use that as their profile picture because, man, that there, there was nothing more major league than that. Yeah. So, you know, got to credit Mikey and the production guys who, who who do some great jobs with the graphics that usually nobody kind of hears about and stuff like that. But you know, you know, we're looking forward to it. You know, hopefully the hiccups that we had. I know we had some issues with the music and blah 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 with stuff playing right. But hopefully, you know, that'll all be handled. And you know double checking but uh D'Lo is probably going to do commentary with Jake uh once again on this show so you know we're going major league all the way we got great talent from from start to bottom you know yeah. this this is a big show you know this is one if you're an FSW fan you know I know it's easy to miss a future shock it's easy to to miss a high octane here and there because we do so many but we don't do that many of these so you know I implore you guys come out support because the more you guys support the more diversion is saying hey we need these guys back right not like hey 
the price is right. It's like, this is an event we want to have as often as possible here because the crowd's great. They spend money. They're, they're loud, they're boisterous and they just there to have a good time. So. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Very good way to put it. And again, uh, anyone, you know, who's in town, please come out and check it out. And, uh, that is, you know, that's the exciting thing. It's, you know, just hearing about what's going to be happening. And uh, this just is, it's going to be a great, uh, a great jumping point for new stories and a great jumping point for uh, stories wrapping up. And um, again, you're going to see talent all up and down the card, as Joe said, from the announcers all the way through the, uh, the talent. Um, and uh, it's an exciting time to be a wrestling fan, too. So this is uh, your opportunity to see some of the guys that you might know or get to know some of the guys that you don't know. Um, and you'll be pleasantly surprised uh, and probably a new fan of uh, different people if you've never checked FSW out before. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, please uh, remember the FSW network is $6.99 a month. Um, check out everything that's on there which is going to give you almost like the whole back catalog of fsw so that will also allow you to see guys like uh, kevin cross and chris bay and uh their journey into uh getting to where they are now all right everyone thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time